Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, from the Lights Out Podcast, and welcome to my bloody Valentine 3D. Hope you all got your heart-shaped chocolate boxes. Hope you all have your coal miner's mask and axe. Hope you all have your 3D guns coming at you, brother. And I hope you're stuck in some sort of love triangle murder story, because we are here on the Lights Out talking the remake of My Bloody Valentine. Talking My Bloody Valentine 3D. Jay, Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How's your Valentine's Day going? Have you gotten a harp shot, a harp shaped chocolate box in the mail yet? Nope, but I'm waiting on it. So I'm yeah. waiting on my heart shaped box with a heart in it to show up. It's coming. Uh, should be any day now. You know, you can get one delivered from Tom Ankins, you know, because he I was know. the uh, former sheriff from this town, and he's going to, you know, solve the case for you. It's pretty cool seeing him in this film, you know, because, uh, mm. you know, we talk about him here and there in the 80s when we do the retro Blood oh, yeah. Brother. But I don't he think... He's in Halloween 3. Yeah, exactly. He's in Halloween 3. He's going to be in the uh, the Fog that we haven't done yet. Um, so he's, mm. in a, he's in a pretty good amount of movies. Um but I don't think I've ever seen him act outside of the 80s. Like, I know he's been in some movies, but I was surprised to see him in this one. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I was pleasantly surprised, actually, because I did not have, as you can imagine, <laughs> a lot of faith in this film. I did not really want to watch this, but it was actually better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I thought it was pretty nice. Like... Yeah, this Mostly one, because Tom Atkins is in it. Yes. So this one kind of reminded me of like... So there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this film. Because we're in 2009. Alright? Yeah. And I did not realize that in 2009... This is like the remake of horror movie Boom around this time. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of the reasons I probably didn't watch this. is because it was... Like, they remade everything. And yeah. usually not in a good way. Yes. Well, some of them are okay. Okay. Well, granted, I didn't watch most of them. Yeah. So, sorry for me to say, but I can't imagine the House of Wax remake is good. Come on, brother. You never know. Is that the one that has Paris Hilton in it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Betty. Let's go. <laughs> All right, come on. I don't remember. I, I know she was in it, but I don't know if I actually seen that movie before. But um, I guess, like, I don't... So, you know, around 2009, um, I don't know if I was watching a lot of horror movies around this time. Because I was, like, this is, like, 2009 was, like, my younger party year. Where, yeah, you know what I mean? I would go out a lot. Um, but I don't think I was, like, going to see a shit ton of movies. Like, I, I, I did see a couple movies that came out in 2009 that I vividly remember seeing. This not being one of them. Um, but I remember seeing like the collector came out this year. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, um, they, you know, they had. Uh, let's see what else that came out this. There's a couple of them that I kind of remember seeing this year. But like, 
it wasn't like a big horror, horror movie year for me. Um, but I do remember, like I said, seeing some here and there. Like I've, I've personally always kind of been like a, um, you know, an old school fan. Like I would always watch ones from like mostly like the eighties or nineties and stuff. But yeah. you know, there was a, you know, a couple of good ones that came out this year. And I, like I was saying at the beginning, I was surprised with how many remakes that we got, you know, not well, only- there's actually a, Oh no, go ahead. I didn't interrupt you. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. I'm just saying, like there was, like, I was just surprised about how many like remakes or redone movies that happened this year. Um, and I, oh, I, the one I I do remember seeing in the theaters was the uh, the Rob Zombies Halloween Two mm-hmm. that came out in 2009. You know, of course, in 2008 we had the um, Rob Zombies Halloween One, but this one came out Rob Zombies Halloween Two. I do remember seeing that one, and that was yeah, like yeah, a remake. That's arguable that it's a remake, though. Yeah, Halloween. Halloween. His his first Halloween was a remake, but this I see as more of a sequel to his first movie, because it really has nothing to do with Halloween Two. I the mean, there one. was the the hospital scene. Well, okay, there was the hospital, scene. but it wasn't yeah. like the whole but, movie was in the hospital. It was only like the beginning, I believe. Right, but we did get the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Yes, we got that one. Uh, we got uh, House on Sorority Row remake. We yes. got Last House on the Left remake. Yeah, those are the three that I could think of. Yeah, we got um, um, just a shit ton. Yeah. We got Cabin Fever two. That wasn't really a remake, but you know we're deep into the, the Saw movies at this time. Um, there's so- a lot of good movies though. I mean, the, the Fourth Kind came out that year. House of yeah. the Devil came out that year. Um, the flies hum- came out that year. Pandorum came out that yeah. year. The human great, centipede, great. come on, brother. Human centipede came out that year. Yeah, yeah. what I a mean, classic, classic, brother. What I remember, classic, I remember yeah. that shit came out. Like, yeah, I, I just heard it. That was like one of those movies that you would hear about from like friends or fam, you know, like friends or shit, like online. You're like, no way. And then you watch the shit. You're like, oh shit, okay, <laughs> what's going on over here? So yeah, I don't, how did you see Human Centipede on oh, fuck. Uh, DVD? I guess yeah, it was on DVD. So it it probably wasn't when it got like released right away. I mean, I probably saw it, like the next year, um, or that. Like I said, like 2009. Like I don't remember seeing like going out to theaters and watching a shit ton of horror movies. The only ones I remember, like I was saying, was Halloween two and the and the Collector. I definitely watched those. Um, but you know, like they had the Friday the 13th remake, um, which I didn't see in theaters, but I later on watched it, which I liked. I thought that was pretty good. Um, they actually, they actually remade the last house on the left in 2009 as well too. And I haven't seen that movie, even though I own it, I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) I believe that's the one that has, um, the, what's the Deadpool guy. What's his name? Doesn't have him in there. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds. I believe so. I can. Uh, he's in the Amityville remake. Mary, that's the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's probably the Amityville one. I know he's in one of those um, remakes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, this one was actually pretty good. Like, it's it's just surprising that just like, you know, we're we're in 2009, and it seems like this is like a like a kind of like a boom period for you know, remaking old 80s slasher movies. You know what I mean? Because we're getting a lot of them coming down the pipe over here. Yeah. Uh, it just It is a really weird <clears throat> era because I feel like, you know, right now in 2024, we're kind of like in that same phase 
where we're re- now we're remaking movies from like the 2000s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so we have 2009, yeah, we were yeah. making remaking movies from the 80s. And then nowadays in 2024, I feel like we're making movies from like the 2000s, you know, because for a, for a long time, we were making like, you know, like ghost movies and shit. And all those really like those prominent ghost movies pretty much came around you know around 2000 and stuff when we had like you know paranormal activity and, mm-hmm. and things like that um you know besides the the like you know the thanksgiving movie or or like terrifier now you know those are probably like more traditional slashers in a way maybe not so much terrifier but definitely thanksgiving so thanksgiving and this movie were very similar even though like Thanksgiving is a, was a movie that you know it wasn't copying anything from the '80s, you know, like an old movie from the '80s, it would just has the uh, the '80s slasher style to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like around this, the, I, I was just researching. I just thought that was very fascinating. Of wow, the, this is like the boom period to remake these, you know, pretty pretty high prevalent slasher films you know when it comes to at least friday the 13th and, and halloween um and they were getting some of yeah. the uh they were also getting some of the uh the, the lesser known ones are getting uh booted like this movie my blood my bloody valentine and it was in the 80s but they're getting like you know last house on the left rebooted and stuff so we're just kind of kind of a fascinating time for horror around this uh 2009 yeah i just i mean it's it's actually a good era i mean yeah. it's just a really good time like so for me in particular this was your party years this was my going to the movies era like like i lived close enough to a regal uh cinema's um, movie theater that i could walk to it so i would go to the movies once or twice a week um and like i at the time i was off on tuesdays for some reason like from the job i had and um and um, I uh, Tuesdays they had like the f- like five dollar movies, so I go see like two movies sometimes in one day. Yeah. Um, even if I didn't really want to see anything, it was out. I just love going to the movies. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't love going to the movies anymore. I think it's people, <clears throat> but who knows? Eh, it happens um, like that. Yeah, we go here and yeah. there. You know, when there's a big one. We do happening. go occasionally. I have to really, really, really be talked into it. Like I still yeah. haven't seen the Iron Claw and. You know, I I have to really, really be talked into it. Well, would uh would this movie Night of the Demons remake make you go to the theaters? Because brother, that Probably. came around two thousand nine as well, and I loved that movie as well. Like, like I feel like I missed out on two thousand nine. Like I said, like this was for me personally. I was I can I remember what I was doing. I was working at a retail store, and I know yeah. I would go out like every weekend. And like the the friends I was hanging out at the time, I don't think they were like huge horror fans. Like I had, you know, I, I always liked horror movies, but I think just the crowd I was hanging out with wasn't like more of like a movie watcher. We were more like going to like bars and bar hopping around this time. Um, but I do remember seeing a lot of these movies you know, later on that happened in two thousand nine. Like you even have Dead Snow that happened in two thousand nine. Yeah, I was gonna bring like, that up. Dead Snow. I remember. Uh... Um, I remember going to a Halloween party or something and one and some at that year and some guy was dressed up as the dead snow guy. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cl- that was a great that's a classic. Dead Snow is great. Yeah. Like it's just crazy. Like I, I when I was doing my research about this, like I didn't just I like I was I'm just kinda blown because I didn't realize that two thousand nine was such a popular year for horror. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of 
great stuff, like not only remakes, but there's also a lot of great original content that happened around this this year too. And, you know, I felt like they, you know, when it comes to this movie, My Bloody Valentine, I thought they did pretty well with the whole production of the whole film as well, too. Like, I thought it was actually shot really well. And yes, brother, I watched it in the old school 3D style. The, nice. With the little 3D glasses and everything. Man, I didn't like, I didn't realize how hard it was to kind of like adjust at first. You know what I mean? Watching this 3D when and you- stuff. Had you never have you ever seen a 3D movie before? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. Okay. I've seen one in the theaters. I can't. I know I've seen 3D movies in the theaters. Like I've seen a bunch of them before. I just can't remember which ones I watched in 3D in the mm-hmm. theaters. Um, but but yeah, like it's it's interesting. Like I when you're watching it, like all I could think in my head was uh, was uh, Friday the Thirteenth 3D. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they, where they would just do certain angles just for the 3D camera. You know, which they, they clearly did in this movie. Oh yeah, they clearly did. Like um, they had the the eye popping in 3D. They had the the hands and the heart popping in 3D. They had a lot of axe scenes pop out in 3D. Um, every time somebody would have a gun, you would always have the gun pointing at us in 3D. I was about to say that horrible uh, bullet scene at the end of the movie. Oh like, yeah, that, that was, was definitely that 3D. Was too much. That was just too much. <laughs> the Matrix bullet um, coming at you. Yeah, <laughs> which was clearly animated and like uh, I don't know some really like really terrible CGI program. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing about 3D movies in general is that it's hard. Um, so it's hard to make a 3D movie good. Um, because most filmmakers don't like to shoot in 3D because you have to shoot with two offset cameras uh-huh. and they don't like to do it. So most movies today that come out in 3D were p- p- converted in post-production, which barely gives you any 3D um, effect at all. So like if like if you're watching a 3D movie in a theater these days and you take off your glasses, the, mo- the it should be completely blurry. There should be two completely superimposed images. Um and it, it, like most 3D movies today, if you take your glasses off, it just looks slightly blurry, which means you're going to get a slight 3D effect. But if 3D is done well, like in this movie, it would have been really effective because like, you know, seeing the pickaxe coming out of the screen and things like that. I mean, it's hard to make a 3D movie that wasn't goofy, but I mean, that's how most of them in the 50s were like they just had gimmicks to to to, you know, take advantage of the 3D. And this movie was kind of a throwback in that way, and then it used those gimmicks again, which was kind of cool. I actually liked that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, the 3D fad wasn't too big during this time, was it too? Or when did did we start getting the 3D TVs? Yeah. No, 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 not it wouldn't come for another couple of years. Yeah. So when with 3D TVs were um kind of big around 2010 or 11, um 2012 maybe. Um but the problem with 3D as it always is is that people don't like it because they don't see anything good in 3D. Um but like I said, if you see a movie that's made for 3D, it's great. Um but um, but yeah, like 3D really wouldn't be a thing until for another year or two, uh, for homes at least. Yeah. Um, even in movie theaters, it was rare. 
Um, at the, I can't even think of a 3D movie from 2009 other than this one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is some, but like I can't think of them either. Like it would just yeah. kind of like a, uh, you know, 3D is kind of like a fad thing. Like, do you think we'll ever see that again with the way like technology is going nowadays? You think we'll ever see? We some see more? Every, we see everything again. Yeah, um, everything comes back around. I mean, I mean, like a 3D was a fad in the 50s and in the 80s and in the 2010s. Um, but I really think that the way technology is going. I mean, I think w- instead of like with TV technology, I think we're heading more to like a virtual reality type thing than we are better televisions. Yeah. Um, I think augmented reality and virtual reality are the way that TV, uh, TV, like movies on TV are going to be in the future. Yeah. Like when, when it comes to the, um, oh God, what's that thing called? Uh, it's being by Meta. You know the Ox School. What did it call? Yeah, the Meta Meta Quest. Is that what they call it? Yeah, the Meta now? Quest. Yeah, like I could see more movies being like that. Like you're saying, that's kind of like the new virtual reality 3D style movie. Because they're already doing that with video games, and I heard you can watch like some concerts and stuff on there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, like I'm kind of getting interested in the idea of virtual reality. As long as they add, I'm not interested in it for games though. I'm more interested in it for concerts, sporting events, and possibly movies. Um, it just seems like really uncomfortable to wear, you know what I mean? Like yeah. wearing that, uh, headset to watch a movie just seems like it'd be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. They probably got They're probably going to like, you know, make it where it's like more comfortable in the future. You know what I mean? So it's like something Hopefully. easy that can like, you know, not hurt your neck or anything like that. Just be something very good. It's called contacts, brother. We'll get some of those. <laughs> You know, Black Mirror contacts where we can see the world in all different oh, yeah. ways. Yeah, that's stuff so. <laughs> with the way we're going. But yeah, um, man, like this movie was uh, actually I liked it, man. It was pretty good for like a, you know, telling the so so the original My Bloody Valentine that we do have reviewed in the archives, brother, on the yep, Retro Blood, we'll find them out. That movie actually came out in 1981, February 11th, 1981. So uh, you know. <laughs> We got a couple of decades on until this uh, remake happened again. And, you know, since this was like the year for remakes and stuff, um, you know, we're, we're getting like a... The, the story, it was similar for the original one, but it was different in a couple ways. Um, mm-hmm. With like moving around some of the characters and stuff. But it was kind of similar. You know, I do remember that the, the whole My Bloody Valentine original one was kind of centered around there's like these Valentine dance that happened around the, uh, the town and you know, the same thing there, it was still the same style killer with the, uh, the, the coal miners mask and outfit. Um, they still, you know, shot it in a, 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 a coal mine, you know, in that movie as well too. But the, uh, the actual story, you know, there was still a love triangle, you know, when it comes in, in, in the, in the 1981 version as well too. And there was some uh, uh, trauma. So it, it's very similar. Like, there's a couple of differences in it. Because the the 1981 version, I can remember, actually was mostly centered around, like, this big Valentine's dance that they were going to cancel. Yeah. Or they did cancel. But then the kids, they rebelled, brother. Because that's what you do in the 80s. And you have your own dance. And this one didn't really have, wasn't really surrounded by, like, a dance or anything like that. It was mostly... You know, Tom trying to sell the mine and then not trying to sell the mine. They were just trying to figure out who was doing all these killings throughout the whole movie. 
Yeah, it also didn't start off with the uh, minor strip tease. Yeah, I know. What the fuck? I know. All right, let's go. Um, <laughs> that was a great. Uh, that was a great opening scene that that one had. But the uh, I, I was really surprised. I was really happy that they didn't water it down. Like it still has violence in it. It still has gore in it. Oh yeah. Because a lot of movies at this time, like a lot of those remakes, especially for starting then and going up to now, they would just like water them down because you couldn't put the same kind of things in movies now that you did then. So they would, you know, they would make a PG-13 version of this rated R movie. But this was rated R. It was super violent, super gory. That was awesome. Yeah. So, you know, this one, um, yeah, definitely was, and you know, it was shot in 3D and everything, and definitely was gory, and they're definitely doing things for the, for the 3D camera, which I thought was fun. Um, so this one actually came out January 16th, 2009, uh, released mm-hmm. by Lionsgate, which... I mean, that's probably like one of the meccas of releasing horror films. At this time, for sure. At this time. You know, I think that's taken over by um, Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of like the new head of the table when it comes to releasing horror films right now. Um, so this one was uh, 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 directed and co-edited by Patrick Lucer. Have you ever heard of Patrick Lucer before? No, what else has he done? Who's who did he ever beat? Who did he ever beat, brother? Well, he beat Dracula because he did Dracula two thousand. You ever see that? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, brother. That may be why I never saw this movie. Then, if I walked to the movie theater and there was a poster that said "From the Director of Dracula 2000, that would have been a straight nope. Man, I haven't seen Dracula two thousand forever, but you know what? I bet it does have some charm nowadays. You know what I mean? Those Maybe. early two thousand movies with Dracula. He also did. Dracula 2 and 3. So he did all those. Um, He did the movie White Noise. I've never seen that. The White Noise. Oh, that's pretty good. The Light. Yeah, so that came during the uh, big uh, ghost hunt boom. Yeah. That's the movie about the ghost, right? Yeah, White Noise uh, and Light. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the uh, it's the the, during the big ghost hunt boom when there's like 57 like ghost hunting shows on TV, and they all told us that. you know, if we just uh, have white noise playing on our recorder or whatever, that we can discern ghost voices from the white noise. And yes. that, that's what that movie was about. Yeah, that was a that was a special time in the world. So he also so after he did My Bloody Valentine 3D, he kept with the 3D trend, and he did this movie 2011's Drive Angry. Okay, I never heard of that. That sounds before. familiar. Yeah. But and he also did some uh, TV shows. He actually did that 2016 Scream, which I actually thought uh, he, he did a couple episodes, um, or maybe he just did one. But he did that show too. It was a pretty good show. Um, he also did the uh, the the Purge TV show too. So, and he's also known for doing um, uh, editing too. Uh, he did some editing on Halloween H2O. All right, okay. and he did some editing on Scream Three. So, and he was also a writer too, and he actually wrote the whole story of Dracula 2000. So there you go. There you go, bro. All right, good on him. Yeah. So you know, I thought you know, I I thought that with this film, that he you could tell that he kept, um, a lot of like the slasher movie, you know, things you need to do in a slasher movie. You know what I mean? So I see that he did pretty well. You know, kind of like our boy Eli Roth did with his film Thanksgiving. You mm-hmm. know, he kept a lot of the uh, traditional slasher stuff in his film. 
and I thought this guy did too. And like, like I was saying, like he didn't go away completely from the original My Bloody Valentine story, but he did make it a little, little different. You know, with moving some of the cast members around and you know giving us some swerves here and there. Well, yeah, I mean, he completely changed the ending. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that it has like the, the the slasher film things that you have to have like you have to have at least one scene of like fairly graphic nudity. Yes. Um, which which we you know what you gave us in this, and um, you know, you got the love triangle, um, and you got the kids that are up to no good at some point in the movie. So yeah, he he yeah. kept all the things that were important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he did. I, I thought they did pretty good. And, of course, the killing scenes I thought was pretty good. Um, I do like the uh, uh, Dario Argento special when he axed Ben in the eye. I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, very Argento. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I would say I give him a, a good credit for a good remake that this one was. Um, yeah. So a couple stuff about the film. So apparently, like, when they were filming it, they actually filmed in a real cone line. Like, they ain't no gimmick Hollywood studio, brother. Brother, They're actually oh, wow. filming okay. in a real coal mine, you know, so we can get, the the like, a lot of the real effect in there. And, of course, you know, a lot of the cast and crew said, like, you know, obviously you're filming in a real coal mine, so that is, you know, very harsh, you know, filming conditions. So they said it was actually a lot of troubling. And um, this is also filmed on location in Pennsylvania, all right? And of course, the the film was given a three D theatrical release by Lionsgate, so they insisted that they do the three D. So it was the first rated R film to be projected in real the real ID technology and to have a wide release. All right. Okay. So, which is interesting. All right. So I guess they they were like the first um, R rated real real ID technology. Yeah. Theaters. That's I wonder what cool. other. I wonder what other real 3D movies there were that year. That's something I would I'll, maybe I'll look up while we're talking. Yeah. Um, one thing that, uh, well, I'll talk about this later. Go ahead and uh, finish what you're saying. So, My Blood Valentine 3D was released, you know, January 16, 2009 by Lionsgate, and the film grossed, all right, over 100, uh, 100 million worldwide on a budget of 14 million, all right, and did receive, you know, mixed reviews about it. But they did get praised for the performance and the production values of the whole movie. And I was surprised too because, you know, around this time, you know, you know, horror you know, horror has always been there. But it's not always been like the top, top of the box charts before. Um, here and there, you know, we've had some movies, you know, be number one for a pretty mm-hmm. know, good amount of length. Now this one wasn't number one, but it did reach up to number four you know, on the box charts around this time for a while. All right. And it was, uh, you know, and actually, um, when I was looking at, looking it up, um, this film actually beat out, um, oh God, I just forgot the movie. Uh, it beat out this very Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. So Slumdog Academy Award. Yes. So now it didn't beat it out head to head. Like Slumdog Millionaire was out for a little while. I think that movie mm-hmm. was like released in like November. I believe of 2008 or something like that when I was reading about it. Um, yeah. But it was actually, you know, going strong for a long time because that was a very popular movie at this particular time. You know, obviously it won, like you said, an Academy Award. But then when My Bloody Valentine came out and stuff, it actually um, topped it for the month of January. So I thought that was a pretty cool, you know, 
little, little detail there. Um, so the film was shot in southwest Pennsylvania because it was taking advantage of the state's tax incentives for film production as well as the um, the visual that the Pittsburgh metro area. So you know, you know, you know. Obviously, sometimes towns. We talked about this before, where towns would pay you know movie companies to shoot there because you know they would bring in some revenue while doing it. Yeah, well, that's essentially how the original My Bloody Valentine was made. Yes, because it was shot as a as it's a tax um, uh, tax shelter movie. So, like we talked about on that show, if you go back to the archives, that that and a couple other movies we did um, were shot in Canada because in Canada you can invest in the arts, you can invest in a movie, yeah. and then if you spent the movie money on the movie, you didn't have to pay taxes on it. So there were these people that had you know lots of money. And you're like, okay, I'll invest in your movie because it'll keep me from having to pay taxes on it, and maybe I'll make some money back. Yeah. So my bloody Valentine was made because some rich guy didn't want to pay taxes, and we got horror movies out of it, which is great. That is great. <laughs> um, yeah, because like the uh, the original one, my bloody Valentine, it was filmed in the uh, the Sydney mines of Nova Nova Scotia. Scotia, yeah. yes. So it's in. Yeah, so it's in uh, the east, kind of northeast of uh, Canada, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty interesting. So this one was actually shot, there was a couple places. Um, so the filming began around May 11th, 2008. Uh, in Armstrong County, along the Route 28 corridor, and locations including Sparkles Market, uh, and Ford City Police Station, and the exterior of Logan Sport Mine in Bethel. So, like I said, they were doing... You know, they're using real locations and real towns, which is cool, not seeing a bunch of, like, movie sets doing everything. So, that was pretty cool. So, the the film was shot entirely digital and 4K resolution, which is cool. The filmmakers used the Red One and from Red Digital Cinema Camera Company, and the S12K Digital Cinema Camera by Silicon Image has a digital cameras. Max Penmer, the film's stereographic, Stereographer found these lighters and smaller cameras easier to use. And like we were saying, My Valley Valentine was the first R-rated film to be projected in real ID. Did you figure out what else was in real ID? Uh, not yet. Yeah, but I'm working on it. Um, one thing that I was going to mention is that it looked really strange, and I don't know if it's because it was shot straight to video. Yeah, like it was like shot on digital or pretty early digital video. Or if it looked weird because it was, uh, it had to have a higher frame rate, had to be shot at a higher frame rate because of the 3D. But it looked, um, it looked like it looked like a soap opera in some parts, which is which when you're watching a movie on television. If anyone doesn't know, the reason that your super expensive television, when you watch it on it, it looks like a soap opera is because your refresh rate is too high. Yeah. Because movies should be shot at 24 frames a second, and that's what you need to watch them at. So when you watch it at a higher frame rate, then it looks weird. It looks like a soap opera. So when I was watching it, I was like, this looks really strange. Like, it looks kind of like a soap opera at times. And I'm wondering if that's because of the the 3D uh, uh, effect or if that's because it was just shot on video. Uh, or, or you know, on the Sony Red cameras. Yeah, the thing, the thing that was also you know about the actual filming that was um, eye catching for me was the very big mm-hmm. wide angles that they did. 
You know, a lot yeah. of times when we see people walking in this film, we would see them from uh, from uh, head to toe, which, you know, a lot of male movies don't really do that. Like, they, they at least cut off maybe some feet when people are walking, you know, or maybe do more, like, body shots from closer angles. You know, this movie was a lot of, you know, showing everything from head to toe, which I actually thought that was pretty refreshing. I kind of like that. You know, you could, see, you could see a little bit more of the environment, more of the character in that. And I assume they did that mostly for the 3D because they wanted the characters full body to project on 3D to you. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, you know, they were supposed to, you know, this is actually a, a conversation I wanted to bring up to you. So, I mean, because I'm about to talk about, so there was a canceled sequel and I'm actually kind of surprised that this one didn't get a sequel yet because I feel like, so, you know, Especially with nowadays, since we have, you know, like I was saying, the Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving's already been released to have a sequel. You know, I feel like a lot of fans are going to be wanting like these, um, what do you call them, holiday horror films. And like, I feel like that's kind of like coming back a little bit. You know what I mean? And I thought yeah. this one, you can probably do a pretty good sequel, you know, to it and make it like a, a, a pretty decent franchise. You know what I mean? Because it is kind of unique, you know, a cold miners killer. You know, it's all surrounding this town and stuff. Like, what do you think? What do you do? You think this one could have got like a couple more sequels to it, or, or what, what do you think? I don't. I just don't. No, I don't. And not this movie because. Well, okay, so I guess so. Like you know, the way they set it up in the end, they set it up for a sequel that we never got. But I feel like it has the original story, and this story has such a, such an ending to it. You know, like you finally. You know, you solve the problem. Um, you know, the killer is, you know, caught, captured, destroyed, whatever. Although that doesn't happen in this movie. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they clearly set it up for a sequel. But I feel like this movie in particular shouldn't have a sequel. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that we should have, like, you know, the minor, uh, you know, constantly uh, showing back up to kill people. Again. I don't know, man. I already have a great title. Okay? Check this one out. My Bloody Valentine 2, Bloody Hearts. Huh? That's not bad. I like That's that? not bad. That's not bad. Huh? I like that. Huh? I like the image, too. Like, the minor looks cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it looks cool. I mean, he does... Rem- I mean, every time I see it, though, it does remind me of Scooby-Doo because there's a minor <laughs> yeah. character in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> that what I got it, A minor ghost. Well, you know, he kind of um, he, he kind of did a Scooby-Doo moment at the end. Kind of. Yeah, like yeah, he he didn't yeah. really give away that he was like a bipolar guy, you know what I mean? But you know, we got to see it, I guess. That'd have been great, though. Uh, which was kind of a cheat. Like that's one of the things I hated about the movie. Yeah. Um, but I did find your information though. Okay. Um, so my bloody Valentine came out January sixteenth, two thousand nine. It was the, uh, it was the first three D movie of two thousand nine. Um, which was shot in the red code raw format. Um, other movies that were in 3D that year were Jonas Brothers, the 3D concert experience, um, Monsters vs. Aliens, um, Up was in digital 3D. Um, these are movies that were in real 3D. Yeah. Like you, like Harry Potter came out in 3D, but it was filmed in 2D, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, so there weren't very many. So there's like three or four movies that year that were in 3D. But the big one would come at the end of the year when they released Avatar. Oh, okay. So Avatar started the 3D thing back. So at this time, so if this movie had come out a year later, 
it probably would have been a bigger hit than it was. Yeah. You know, if it came out in January of 2010, because when when Avatar came out, people were excited about 3D again because it looked fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, it showed you what what 3D should look like. Um, so if they saw that and then they saw this a month later in 3D, maybe more people would have gone to see it. You know, it's possible, but like, you know, if you remember when we were talking about Friday 13 3D, you know, that was yeah. also one of the first films that they wanted to test the new 3D cameras right. out on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that same trend happened here where, okay, we have this new 3D style technology and, you know, we don't want to test it out, you know, maybe right avatar. away on like a, you know, a yeah. high budget avatar movie. Why don't we right. see how it's going with these lower budget horror films first? All right. And then go from there. So, which is pretty interesting, you know, like how they would, you know, it, it's kind of says something about horror movies, where they'll, they'll be able to experiment a lot of stuff on. You know what I mean? To see if it works or not. Or, or you know, yeah. to see if it's... I, I wouldn't say, like, you know, works for the, the audience watching it. I'm talking about working for the production production side. You know what I mean? Right, so they can exactly. see how these cameras work in real life compared to just, like, testing them out. So, um, yeah, that's oh, pretty interesting. Also, the, the Final Destination was released in 3D that year. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, yeah. The, Which yes. is, I believe, the fourth of the Final Destination movies. Boy, those ones are... Once I saw that one about the roller coaster, I was out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually like those movies quite a bit. Um, the first one or two are all really good. I, I just like the idea that they're on this like uh, chain of events that they can't get that that they're trying to find some way to get out of. I, yeah. I think that's a kind of cool idea. I don't know if we need five of them, but I think that the first one or two are pretty good. I, I would be surprised we're coming back, man, because we're you know we're getting a new this year, twenty twenty four. We're getting a it. we're getting a new. Uh, I know what you did last summer. Like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like the remake is, well, is it a is remake coming. or a new movie? It could be a new one. I don't fucking know. I just saw the poster to it. I don't. What is it? Is it what is it called? <laughs> it just has a hook on it. Okay, so it's, I wonder if it's going to be called. I know you did. You did last summer because they because yeah. they're doing that new thing that really annoys me. Is that it's what do they call it? A requel? Yeah, a requel. Yeah, where it's kind of a sequel, but it's kind of a reboot too. I hate that shit. Just make yeah. one or the other. It's like it's like what they did with the uh, the new Halloween series, where we're counting the first one, but then we're going to make our own sequels. Uh, yeah, but at least that's more that's less confusing than than like say the Scream movies. So yeah. if you go see screen, so so twenty years from now, you know when when kids are going to want to watch these screen movies when they get back into them, you know as nostalgia or whatever, they're going to watch Scream, Scream Two, Scream Three, Scream Four, Scream, Screams Five, Scream Six. Oh yeah, where they just did the, yeah, well they did the same thing with Halloween. They so, just called it Halloween. Right. So how fucking confusing is that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of. I get what you mean. Where it's like we're going to name it its name. But we're gonna make it where it's like it's supposed to be like number five or six or two, but we're just gonna name it right. its name. I get you. Yeah. So but then we're gonna take elements. You know what they do too is what they do is they create their own version of a sequel, but then they just pretty much copy the first story. <laughs> With new characters. Yeah, basically. <laughs> which is what this I'm sure is gonna be. It's gonna be like it's going to be the same story set today, and it yeah. could be a sequel, but it could be a reboot. Yeah. And then Jennifer Love Hewitt will show up at the end and kill everybody. There you go. Or kill the bad guy. Um, 
but I don't know. It's like uh-huh. those movies. There should have just been one of those. Like I, I, we we didn't need. I still know what you did last summer. We just didn't. We didn't need that. We just need the one. Yeah. So in this interview about the canceled sequel, it was in March 2020. Yes. It was an interview with Bloody Disgusting, Todd Farmer, and the director Patrick. They pitched their their sequel idea to Lionsgate. And Lionsgate was kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll think about it. But then this movie got kind of like, you know, it, the problem is they kind of like, it got mixed reviews. And Lionsgate's like, nah, we don't really care anymore. <laughs> right? Like, the, the Which movie, is really weird because yeah. Lionsgate was really all about championing those like, you know, not super hit movies. Like Saw, for example. Well, you know, they're probably. Oh, I the mean, Saw is a hit. but Yeah. The, the Saw is pretty much like their like bread and butter. You know what I mean? Like, I would say because they did like. That was like their main style movies. Um, I guess they just with this one they just didn't feel like it was worthy of coming back for a sequel. That's the only thing I could think of. But um they said like they the sequel would have had been more psychological and would have brought back some survivors from this remake as well as a uh, expanded upon its backstory. Right, which I'm not really sure what backstory. I guess we would see Tom go to the mental hospital or something. And he said this script would also have the kill off Sarah. So she would get on out of there, brother. Our final yeah. girl wouldn't be final no more. All right. Nope. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting, though. But like I said, for a remake, I actually thought it was pretty fun. Like, I don't know if this is my favorite horror remake that I've watched. Um, God, that what would be my favorite? <sighs> that's a good one. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Like, no, I didn't. That's a good. Yeah. I like the Friday the 13th one. It was actually pretty good, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite because there was parts of it that I didn't particularly like. But I did like that one. Um, the Nightmare well, on I Elm mean, Street one totally sucked. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not even going to watch no. that. I know that's garbage. I mean, do you count The Thing? The Thing was a remake. If that's the case, then that's my favorite one. I mean, I guess it was. But like that wasn't that one just like talking about the uh, the, the people who encountered The Thing first? No, no, not that one. The John Carpenter one's a remake of The Thing from Another World. From oh, 50s. okay. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm talking but about see, to me, when I saw yeah. The Thing, that was like a new movie. Like, I didn't know that was a remake for years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about these newer remakes, though. Like, these 2000s oh, right. okay. remakes. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess, the Halloween, good, I guess the Halloween one was pretty good, I guess. Like, the yeah. first one that they did. Yeah. You know, in 2018, I believe. I thought that one was pretty good. Um, what am I else to think it? I I haven't seen the Last House on the Left remake. Um, pretty sure there's it's not. No, it's crazy. <laughs> there's no point in watching that compared to the first one. Yeah. So, but you know, they they have uh they have some a uh, uh, good charm to them. Some of these remakes do. Um, I actually I I'm actually one of the guys who actually like doesn't hate on the Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. Um, I mean, I like him quite a bit, but yeah. I like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people I are, mean, like, I are think mixed he on those. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people hate him so much. I mean... I really don't. His movies are not bad. Movies. Like, the only movie of his I wasn't too fond of, even though it was okay, was 31. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen that one. That's yeah. the only movie he's ever made I haven't seen. It's uh, a, that's the one it, where they're uh, trapped in the circus or whatever. Yeah, they're trapped in the circus, and you do have, uh, you know, we have this crazy clown following them out there and killing them. It's it's very basic. It's not nothing any too anything too too wild. 
Um, I thought his most trippy movie was that um, the one he did in Salem. Yeah, Lord of Salem. I yeah, love Lord that of... movie. I, a lot of people don't, but I, yeah. I love them. He doesn't have a lot of story, but it looks cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, like these, these horror remakes, you know, they have their place. Um, you know, it's pretty cool to see, you know, people bring back some of these movies that they might have not seen in the '80s, and it's really cool. You can kind of like compare them, you know, to see if you like mm-hmm. which one more. But yeah, like you know, the, all these uh, these remake 2009 movies, they all have their place. You know what I mean? So, it's just an interesting concept. But I say let's let's get into some of the points about uh, my bloody Valentine 3D when it comes to the story right. aspect of this particular movie. Um, you know, so the big the big uh, takeaway of the movie was you know there's this town that has their 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 biggest job their biggest I guess, what do you call it? Economic driver is coal mining. All right. And mm-hmm. a lot of people from the town work at the coal mines. I guess it's like a very like big attraction for some people coming down there. And around 1997, there was a, there was an incident where I guess they were saying that this guy, Tom, he was, Tom is like one of the main characters of our film and he was working in the cold mine because his dad was like the owner of the cold mine. So he's working down there and he was working with this, um, his colleague, uh, Harry, uh, Warden, all right. Who mm-hmm. Harry Warden was actually the original killer, you know, same thing from the original movie too. So they keep in the same, you know, killer style from the, from the first movie. And Harry Warren was kind of like an asshole kind of guy. And I guess Tom fucked up something so that like the, the cave was coming down and then Harry Warren's freaked out or something. And he started killing everybody in his cold miner costume. All right. So then, like, after that, they only found, like, him, Harry, you know, alive, you know. And they brought him back to the hospital. And he was supposed to be in a coma until he woke up from his coma and he became Michael Myers. Do I got that right? <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happened. Okay. <laughs> so we see after he woke up from his coma, all right, he he, he started to kill people. And his gimmick is check this out, everybody, because you know it's, it's he does. I guess like he, you know how like Michael Myers comes around Halloween. So our boy Warden, he only comes around Valentine's Day. All right? right now, this wasn't explained in this movie, but no, the reason that the um that okay, so in the first movie, I thought it, they explained it a little better. If I got this right. So, there was a big Valentine's Day dance at this town, okay? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the coal miners wanted to get out of the coal mine to go to the dance, okay? Yeah. But they had, they were stuck there working because they had to work during that time, and that's when they all freaked out. But then Harry, he was still, you know, as crazy as it is, so he killed everybody for being a psycho because he's always been a psycho. And then that's why they kind of, like, mixed him with Valentine's Day because he killed a bunch of people on Valentine's Day, you know, in the original story. This one was like a little different because it was on Valentine's Day, but I don't think they said anything about there being like a dance or anything. Unless There's said, no dance, no. Yeah. Unless they said it really quick during like the, uh, they had some flashback sequences of like newscast on this movie. But like I said, the original movie was mostly surrounded by the whole Valentine's Day dance that was really popular with this town. Um, so that's a big thing. So he, so our boy Harry, he's waking up like Michael Myers kills the girl. And then what he does is he, when he kills people, he rips the, he has time. He, this guy's quick. 
Okay. Mm. He has so much time to kill somebody, rip their heart out, and then put them in a chocolate box. All within maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes? Maybe. 15 minutes, maybe? If that much. If that much, yeah. So the, 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 we see the, the, sh- the original sheriff is played by our boy Tom Enkins. Okay. He plays mm. Sheriff Jim Birkin. All right. And right when I see Tom Enkins, it's like, you know, I know what they were doing here. All right. Cause, you know, he's a, uh, what did you say? He was like a horror movie legend. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. He is a horror movie legend for people who know a lot about horror movies. Yes. You know, like you, you can't be a casual horror movie fan and know who Tom Atkins is. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, if you've if you've seen a bunch of horror movies, you you recognize Tom Atkins instantly. Yeah. So I thought it was cool him being here. Like I said before, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's acted outside of the '80s before. I just haven't seen him. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that was really right. cool of him being here. And he's all like, uh, he's just saying like, oh crap, you know, it's gonna be, you know, what's going on with today's Valentine's Day. And it's really cool in the 3D shot. Um, you see like this heart around him, like a 3D shot. So now, so Allison, in 2009, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I know you said you weren't a partier. Even I said I was a partier though. So would you go out if somebody invited you to a a to the to party at the coal mine? All right, where we had like these tragic deaths. And the person who killed the people in the cold mine is in a coma. Would you go out with your buddies and your friends to go party at the coal mine site? Well, now there's a good possibility I might. Because that just sounds interesting. It does sound interesting. And I was thinking, like, you know, would I go to this party? I was like, you know what? There's nothing else going on in the town. I can get some free Miller High Life, brother. I might swing on by. You know what I mean? What, what, What could happen? All right, because I'm pretty sure they were partying like the one year or the two. I don't know. I don't know if it was one year or two year. There was like some sort of anniversary that they were partying on, and this is pretty much when we were meeting our our cast for the whole film. So we have uh, Sarah Palmer. She was there, or sorry, at this time she was Sarah Mercer. Okay, she is the the girlfriend of uh, Tom. Okay. And of course, Sarah, she's played by Jamie King. All right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? She does look pretty. Uh, uh, she does look pretty familiar. All right. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, where has I seen this girl before? And she was in the. Uh, I guess she was like the big one of the big. She had a big like appearance on the OC. Back in the day, bro. Yeah, I I didn't recognize her at first because I I reckon I think of her as a blonde. Yeah, and she's usually blonde. In this movie, she isn't. So, but yeah, I mean, she you know they they actually had a pretty good like up and coming cast around this time, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. So she's there, and then we also have uh, Irene is there as well too, which was the girlfriend at the time for our boy Axel. All right. And then we had, yeah. then we meet Tom as well too. And Tom is pretty much, like I said, he was the guy who was the uh, the son of the guy who owned the uh, the minor uh, place. And he was uh, he was being he was the only one that was kind of nervous being there because obviously you know he was the one that did that accident who trapped all those coal miners in there. Now he didn't kill the coal miners, but his accident led to Harry Warren going crazy. 
all right, and killing everybody inside. So, in a, in a no, way, you said Axel, right? You're thinking of Tom. No, no, no. no I was saying Tom. No, Tom is the guy. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, Tom is the guy who, who you know, his dad owned on the place, and he did the little accident. And yes. so, so some, you know, something we gotta tell you guys. So, the the guy Harry Warren, you know, Mr. Michael Myers. Yeah. He he was like a big strickler for the rules and everything should be done properly. He, so basically, when he when Tom didn't listen to his advice, he just went nuts and killed everybody. So 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 this guy who plays Tom too, this Jensen Ackles, uh, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. He's been in a lot of shit, and I didn't realize that he actually was the the voice of Jason Todd in the animated film Batman Under the Red Hood. No, I didn't know that. Either. I knew yeah. him only from Supernatural, which is probably one of the reasons I didn't see this movie when it came out because I hate that show. Yes, yeah, that's like a, that's like his big TV role was the Supernatural. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was all right. This is like his like one, two, three. This is like his fourth movie he did. All right, and then right after that, like after he did this, that's when he would do the uh, the Jason Todd role, the voice mm-hmm. acting on there too. Um, I thought that that was pretty cool. But yeah, like that's pretty much what he's uh, uh, mostly known for, is being on Supernatural. Um, didn't that didn't that series have like, I mean, like a like like a thousand seasons and shit? Like I never I mean, seen it. He was it on either. for like twenty years almost. Or yeah, something. it was on. Um, it was on. It had been on several years when this movie came out, and then I think it was on like a few years ago. Um, but yeah. since you came to a stopping point, I did want to bring this up. So 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 uh, so your your. Um, your uh, examination of Tom Atkins' career is pretty astute. Um, he did. He did. Um, he he acted a lot in the eighties. He um, and in the seventies, like he was in Tarantulas, Deadly Cargo. But in the eighties, he did The Fall, Ninth Configuration, yeah. Escape from New York, Creep Show, Halloween Three. He did a lot. Night of the Creeps. He did a lot yeah. of great movies. Yeah. Um, but between nineteen ninety, when he made Two Evil Eyes. He made five movies between 1990 and 2009. Oh, yeah? What did he do? Uh, and most of them, he had a small part. Like, he had a small part in uh, Bob Roberts and in Striking Distance. And then he made a George Romero movie called Bruiser, which is really good. Um, but, yeah, he had a bunch of small parts and things and then some TV shows. But, yeah, he really didn't do much acting between 1990 and this movie. So yeah. This was a big comeback for him, kind of. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember him mostly being in those 80s movies. A lot of them that we're going to talk yeah. about or already have talked about. And it felt like I didn't remember even seeing or hearing anything that he did after that. Mm-mm. You know? So, yeah, that's pretty uh, It's pretty interesting. That, you know, I, you could tell, like, maybe he was trying to, you know. And, and to be honest with you, like, I thought he did pretty good in this film. As, like, a sheriff guy and stuff, so. Well, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Tom Atkins is great in everything he does. Yeah. And that guy's a national treasure. So the big angle going on with here is, you know, Tom. He's nervous about going into the to, to the uh, to the mine, the coal mine. But all the kids want to party in there, so all the kids start partying in there. Sarah goes in there alone. Um, sh- some guy scares her in a coal miner's uh, outfit for a little bit, and then he gets killed. He gets the axe to the eye, brother. We have the uh, the the first. Kill a 3D scene reminded me of the the, the 3D scene uh, off of Friday the 13th 3D where they poke the eye out. Even though that eye poke looked way more cornier than this one, but it was still the same thing mm-hmm. where the eye pokes out. So the now we fit now you know obviously uh, 
Mr. Michael Myers, Harry Warren, has now come back to his uh, home of of murder, the coal mine. Okay, and he starts chopping up all these kids, and we can see Sarah and uh, and uh, uh, Axel. All right, and his girl there too, and they're hiding, and then eventually. Uh, this this guy, this young guy comes in, all right, and he he sees that he thinks it's just Axel playing around, but it's not. He sees Axel and all of them hiding in the corner, so he starts running. He gets killed. Um, we see a whole. So the big thing if you watch it in three D, uh, most of the three D shots where we're seeing the uh, the axe go into somebody's head or face, which I thought it was pretty cool. I liked how they did um most of the three D technology on this movie. And then this is when we have the, the Axe guys going after the whole Sarah crew. Um, he, he's about to kill Axel, but some of the girls are saving him. And then he eventually kills uh, one of the blonde girls with like the shovel through the mouth. And then her like head's like sliding on the fucking shovel. I thought that part was pretty mm. wild. They had some good kills in this. I, I'll give them that. They definitely had some, some good creative uh, uh, kills in this one. And they're running away. They, and... So Tom comes in, all right. He sees what's going on, and then he gets attacked now by the uh, by Mister uh, Warren, all right. And then the kids, Axel and all of them, are trying to get everybody to get out of there. So Axel, it's like Axel, Sarah, and then Irene. I believe they're all trying to like get out in the in the car. And this is when we have like more three D shots of the axe going through the car, all right, which was the cool. Cool little piece of business there. You could tell it. You know, like I was saying before, you can tell that they were doing a lot of these kill scenes for the 3D camera. All right. Yes. But like, it wasn't done like in like like it didn't make sense of the story. Like they actually did it. I thought they actually did it pretty well. Where, yeah, of course we're seeing a lot of these like animated, you know, over the top kills. But I thought it fit in with the actual story. You know, compared to some. Some other films where we're just doing it for the 3D camera only. It doesn't really like fit in with like the character or something. So, you know, now we're having uh, Warren attack Tom now. Okay, he's like staring a hole through him. He's about to kill his ass until uh, uh, Tom Enkin shows up. All right, the sheriff does, and he shoots down Warren. All right, and then. We could see that uh, the Harry Warren he actually escapes and gets out of there, and then we could see at this time that Tom he is pretty much like super traumatized at this time because you know he almost died, saw some people dying, he's got a little freaked out, man. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we cut. I guess it's ten years later now, but we didn't have like a thing that said ten years later. We just like we just had to like hear people talk about it being ten years later. All right, and the big thing is now Tom has come back to the town because he's trying to sell off the the mine, the coal mine, because his daddy died and he got to inherit it to him, and he has majority of the share with it. All right, I, I just don't, yeah. I don't get why he couldn't merge it with a uh, you know a very similar mine, and it could have been some sort of TKO mining group. <laughs> I see what you, I see what you did there. Yeah, uh, made it a little easier. Yeah, all right. Just merge it, brother. So the, there's this guy named Ben who also has shares in this coal mining as well too. He's more on, more on the higher level, 
and he's all pissed. It's like, no, you, you can't sell this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like he, the Ben just thinks Tom is, is uh, selling the mine because Tom, you know, since he left for 10 years, he didn't have, he pretty much left his girl and his dad high and dry. And Ben thinks he's just selling it to get back at his dad. And of course, his dad's dead and he gives him his dad his ashes right there. And we can also see that Axel, he's still alive, and Axel has now moved on to be the sheriff of the new town, all right? And his big angle is he's kind of like an asshole, and he's also cheating on his wife, Sarah. All right? Exactly. So he's not as, not, not, so, so you, we see right off the hand, off the bat that he's not necessarily the good guy either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just the way his personality is. You can kind of, like, I like the way this movie was kind of like, Obviously, you could say it was. You could see that it was like you know pushing you in directions of who could be the killer. You know what I mean? They're doing like the scream gimmick, where like, oh, maybe this guy could be the killer. Oh, maybe this person could be the killer. So Axel, he's married to Sarah now, which of course Sarah used to be dating Tom, and they're married and they have a kid. But our boy Axel is also fucking on Elizabeth Keene on the blacklist. So yeah, she was there on there. So it's kind of cool seeing her. Um, like this is like her third movie. Um, that she was yeah. doing right here. So, you know, very sh- background character. But the big thing about her character is she works at the same supermarket <laughs> with Axel's wife, Sarah. And they're, like, sleeping around on each other. And she is all about him and this stuff, gives him some candy for Valentine's Day. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't get you nothing. And she's like, well, yeah, you did. I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, fuck. <laughs> fuck, brother. Damn it. Uh, All right. You know, we, we, uh, this is when we get Tom. He, you know, he's staying at the local motel around town. All mm-hmm. right. And we have the, the motel manager out there looking for a cat the whole time. And he, <laughs> he's going to his room to hear some people fucking in the background. And it just so happens to be our girl, Irene. All right. She's fucking on this truck driver. All right. Yeah. Saying how hot she looks while she's riding them. All right. And they get done with their action. And our boy, the truck driver guy, is, you know, he's basically, you know, I guess he, he's, he's done. And she sees that he's been recording her the whole time. All right. And she's like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, I just do it for my own personal collection. She's like, why well, ain't no fucking slut? He's like, well, here you go. Gives her some fucking money. And she also, too, like, I didn't do my my complete re- research about this, but she did give us the history of Valentine's Day. Did you hear that? Like, yeah, she, she did. Yeah, she did tell us all about it. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's like uh, while we have Valentine. I don't know if that's uh, true, but we, but uh, but she did tell us the the history of Valentine's Day. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure if it's true either, but it was like about like. Back in the day, giving out like cards, and then whoever would accept the card, they would be like your lover for like a whole year or something like that. Yeah, I don't think that's actually why. Uh, why we have a Valentine's Day? It might be. Let's that, see. I guess it's a, it sounded good in this movie. I'm pretty sure that Valentine's Day is based on a martyred saint, but I could be wrong. Well, apparently, it was a, a it's a pretty common name during the during this time. As far as anyone could tell, the St. Valentine of Valentine's Day was, was one of two guys preaching the good word in Rome in the 3rd century, 
One of these two names is martyred on February 14th, 2069, thus giving us the date for his emphasis day. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I mean, I guess there is like a whole big story about Valentine's Day. Um, but she gave us like this shorter version that was a uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, where she talks about pulling the names of yeah. lovers out of a hat or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Kinda, so, kinda, but yeah. So she gets all pissed off that he was filming. He just leaves, gives her some money, calls her a slut, and gets on out of there. She takes her gun, butt ass naked, runs around the town, about to shoot his ass. And he's like, "He ain't gonna do nothing. The gun's not even loaded." So she throws the gun out of him, 3D gun, and then he opens mm-hmm. up the truck, and then he gets axed by our boy coal miner. So the coal miner killer is back. All right. And then he traces her down like Michael Myers throughout the whole um, the hotel. She goes, hides under a bed. All right, he gets on in there. The the um, the hotel manager comes in looking for a cat. And I was actually surprised that they killed her off. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. they would do that nowadays. So they killed her off. All right, like axing her up and up against the light. And then he eventually sees our girl Irene still butt ass naked. And he starts to attack her through the uh, to the bed, uh, the bed you know the old school bed where it kind of looks like a little gate you're hiding behind, and he mm-hmm. eventually chops her down in the stomach, and that's where our girl Irene gets down. And uh, the hotel we were at, by the way, Allison, it was called Thunderbird Hotel. Uh, yeah, you could barely call this thing a hotel. I was kind of amazed that the guy who owns the coal mine um, now is staying at this place. Well, like you know, there's no Marriott or anything to stay at. No, brother. I mean, come on. This is the this is the highest it gets. All right. Or maybe he didn't. Uh, I guess so. It's either that or he maybe he didn't want to be noticed. Maybe that's probably more like he just didn't want to be noticed. Yeah. So then we had the next day. Now we see Axel and stuff, and he's looking over the bed, the dead bodies, and he sees that you know obviously it was one of the girls he was because that's the Irene girl used to be his squeeze before he mm-hmm. moved on to Sarah. So he's like, oh, shit, you know, Irene. He's, and then the, his, his co-cop guy, Mark, he was like, oh, I know you guys used to be a thing and stuff. And yeah. she was killed the same way where she had the, uh, her, her, her heart was out and it was put on a chocolate box. So they're thinking like, okay, is this Harry, Henry Warren or is, or is it a, a copycat killer? Because, like, everybody in the town thinks Henry Warren's dead, but they never found, like, a body. All right, but the the sheriff Jim, you know Tom Enkins, you know claimed that he shot him and killed him. Okay, but they never found mm-hmm. like a body, so they're not exactly sure of what was going on. So now this is when we see Tom now is is you know he's back after ten years, and this is when he runs into Sarah at her job, and you know they haven't seen each other in ten years. Sarah's shocked by yeah. seeing him, and she's all upset, being like, you know, you left ten years ago. You left me high and dry and everything. Like you didn't even tell us where you're going, and now you just show up out of the blue. And he's like, you know, apologizing for doing that. Um, and he, she's also saying, he's also saying, like, man, I can't believe Axel would like settle down, you know, with you and stuff. And you can see like there's still like some tensions and some feelings between the two. All right. Yeah. Um, and then this is an Axel calls her too, and he says like, you know, this girl's been murdered, so I'm not gonna be, you know, coming home. I gotta like figure out what's going on with this. All right. 
And of course, we also see that there's some still some feelings between Sarah and Tom, and she brings up the old photograph that they had together. So this is also too when the uh, the killer is uh, taunting our boy Axel by sending him the heart, uh, Irene's heart, and a chocolate box. So they're like, you know, they're like, it, they're like, it can't be this Henry Ron guy. He's been dead. So it must be like a serial killer. So we'll have to figure it out who it could be. And Axel did notice that Tom's signature was on the um, the booklet for the hotel as well, too. So now he kind of thinks like, okay, he knows Tom's back in town. All right. And, you know, he's just like thinking like, you know, obviously he could be a suspect. Okay. Yeah, but he doesn't have any reason to think that, though, which I think is weird at this point. Yeah, well, he, he recognizes the name. So, like, his gears are cutting up a little bit about Tom. But that those that actually comes up here in a little bit, why Axel thinks it's Tom. Uh, but okay. we, we do see Tom walk into a local bar, and a lot of people are, like, pissed off at Tom because they think they blame Tom for the murders that happened with the town. And, of course, they blame him for selling the cold mine because lots a lot of people work there. All right, so he walks up in his bar. This old guy gets, like, super pissed off. I think the guy might have been Irene's dad. And he's like punching Tom, trying to fight his ass. And then this other bar, this other guy who works at the coal mine tries to attack Tom as well too. And he, and he punches the mirror. So we see that in 3D. And then of course we have the sheriff Jim, the former sheriff at this time, retired sheriff Jim, saying like, "Hey man, this is not a good idea for you to come around." He's like, "Well, I didn't kill those people. I never killed anybody." He's all like, "Listen, I saved you twice, and ain't gonna be a third time." All right. And then, like, Tom just, just doesn't know why everybody's blaming him for all these murders and stuff. Because he didn't, hasn't done anything. Alright? So now, you know, Axel, like, he, you know, he's studying the tape. And the way that he did his character was pretty interesting. Like, you know, like I was saying before, like, with the Axel character, you... We're, we're led to believe that there could be, you know, throughout the whole movie, like, two main suspects. For the for the, who could be the killer? Actually, three for a while. It could be Axel. It could be Harry. It never died, or it could be uh, Tom. Yeah. So at this time, when we're seeing Axel, he's watching this uh, the tape that the truck driver recorded of Irene, and he's watching the whole tape of them fucking and everything. And Sarah walks in. Yeah. And he's like, "What the hell are you doing up so late?" He's like, "Well, I'm watching this tape. You know, I've been watching it to get some clues about what happened." And she's like apologizing mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's all like, you know, it's like, hey, have you seen Tom lately? And she's like, yeah, he came by the store and stuff. It's like, oh, okay, you know, it's just kind of weird that your lover would, you know, would come back to town. She's like, what? What are we talking about? And he shows her the picture of them two together. It's like, I found this on your desk. You know what I mean? So there's some tension mm-hmm. between them. And it's all like, hey, you, you know, your former lover might be in some hot water because he shows that he shows on the tape that you can see Tom walking by the the hotel so that's why axel is like kind of thinking like you know obviously his his main subject sub subject at this time is tom like he you know that's why he's seeing it okay all right i guess yeah what do you mean i guess he saw him on the tape walk by he he did see him on the tape but i mean like it there's no reason to think he had anything to do with the murder though i don't know his mind was going there he still like he he still wasn't super sure, but he was kind of going there, all right. But he's also angry at Sarah too, 
So like you could tell like his character wasn't at this time like totally trustworthy. And of course he was fucking with you know fucking on the side with the other girl Megan. So he said, like, hey, you know, if you see that Tom again, you got to tell me. All right. So now this is the next morning. Sarah, she she meets with Tom or Tom meets with her and stuff. And they kind of talk by the pier. And Sarah's giving him shit about closing down the mine. She's like, hey, you know, you weren't here for 10 years. You know, a lot of people rely on that on that mine to 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 work. You know, they've been working there for 20 years and stuff. And Tom's like, well, you know, the shit's old. You know, like, you know, that's like an old technology. And I was about to ask you, Allison, they still got mine. You know, is that like a still a thing? People like. Yes. Yeah. Cold mine. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, it's kind of like something that doesn't really like. They might do it new ways. Maybe that's what Tom was saying. Like, there might be like new ways of coal mining compared to their old style. That's the only thing I could think of. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure there are new ways. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, coal mining is still a big deal. And it's like a still a big uh, political thing, too, because there's like people who like in West Virginia who don't want to give up, you know, their way of life, their jobs in the coal mine or whatever, and do something different. And, you know, like that's, it's still a big deal. And it's, and things like what they're talking about now are still, are still things that happen. Yeah. So, so, you know, but they kind of got that in this basic story too. So she, she, she basically calls him out being like, the only reason you want to take around, take out the, the, the coal mine is because of your trauma that happened there. All right. And she's like, why don't you go visit over there and, you know, just think about it. So he's like, okay. So Tom goes and visit the coal mine. You know what I mean? Cause he's still the owner of it. You know, and everybody's looking at him about like, you know, why are you here? You know, when he walks in, cause this is kind of like enemy number one. To all these coal miners and he eventually he wants to go see ben because he claims you know later on that he's going to talk to ben about saying he's not going to close it the coal mine down so this is when we get the whole scene of him um you know the guy the same guy who punched tried to punch him at the bar all right he you know he's trying to call ben because ben's on a different level but at this right. time the 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 coal miner killer comes up and locks our boy Tom in a cage and he kills the guy with the with the with the hurt hand at the bar. Alright? And then he locks him up in the cage. He's locked in the cage. And that's when all they, they can kind of hear the commotion, like the other level he was calling here's a commotion over the phone. So they all get down there, mm-hmm. they see the dead coal miner guy and they see Tom locked up in the cage and they're like, what the hell's going on? You know? And he's all like, I didn't do anything. I was just locked up in this cage the whole time. So he's at the hospital. And Sarah, she's being nosy. So she walks up on in there. And this is when Tom's like, I got attacked by Warren. He's still alive. I got attacked by him. You know, that's the only person I could think who it was. Because I saw a guy in a cold miner mask kill the guy. And I was locked up in the cage. That's what he did. I'm, I believe it's, it's, you know, the Harry Warren. And Ben is like, now. Nah. He's like, nah, that can't be. It has to be somebody else. And then Axel shows up. Very suspicious, brother. And he's like, oh, you think it's Harry Morn? All right. He's like, what are, you, what are you really doing in this town? All right. And Tom's like, what are you talking about, man? I'm trying to sell out the mine. He's like, I don't think so. And then Axel reveals that his dad, Tom's dad, and Ben, and apparently the sheriff too, they... Mm-hmm. They have um, 
uh, they have they they secretly killed off Harry Warren doing some vigilante shit, and they buried him uh, outside in the woods somewhere. Right. They're all looking around like, oh, oh shit! So they all go out and go to that buried site, and then when they when they were digging it up, they don't see the body there. All right, because <coughs> excuse me. So. And this is kind of an important part of the film where we would see we we have um, Axel there with Mark, his his deputy. We have uh, Jim, Tom Inkins, he's there. We have Sarah's there, and then we have mm-hmm. uh, Tom. There's where and Ben. Okay, so they're all there and they're all checking out for the bodies and stuff of of, of Harry, and they don't see him. And now Axel's like super pissed. You know what I mean? He's all like, you know, what's going on here? Like. There ain't no body here. And then, are you sure he's dead? Like, that, that's what Axel's asking Tom, uh, um, Jim and um, Ben. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he didn't have no pulse or nothing. He's like, all right, well, you guys get on in here. And Tom, I'm going to need to talk to you at my office. <laughs> all right? Mm-hmm. So we're getting, uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Like, you know, I thought it was very scream-like right now. Like, we're, we're, we're doing. Very scream-like. You know what I mean? Like, we're doing little hints. Yeah. And they're keeping it mm. open of who could be the killer. It could be anybody, brother. All right. Could be anybody. Um, yeah, it could be, uh, could be the original killer yep. who's been uh, floating around the woods for 10 years, which, you know, Jason Voorhees did. That, yeah, exactly. So. That's what I'm saying, brother. Actually, he floated around for 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, come on now. But, and remember, uh, yeah. we had we had Michael Myers floating around for that one year. Remember remember that voodoo doctor that's guy true. took care of him and he came back? Yeah, that's Halloween true. 4, that's brother. True. I mean, come on. Yeah. But he lived. He yeah. But he kind of lived in an underground shelter, though. So you know, he had a. But he was in a coma a, for oh, no, a year poor. with yeah. no food, unless maybe what that voodoo <laughs> doctor guy did was inject them th- food with some IVs. Maybe <laughs> some. Food. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, so this guy, yeah, this guy could just be living in, yeah. with the voodoo doctor in the woods. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. But if they would have done that, I'd be like, okay, I get it. So now <laughs> Axel is interrogating Tom, and Tom's like, "Listen, man, it, it has to be this hairy guy. I'm a fucking Warren guy. I don't know." He's like, "Well, well, no. Why are you really here? You trying to get my wife, huh? I know that's why you're here." He's like, "What are you talking about?" It's like, so they going back and forth. So Axel, you know, he's super pissed off because he feels that Tom is just basically there to, you know, he, t- Tom reveals that he's going to keep the mine open. And Axel's like, oh, okay, right. well, why? You found a piece of ash you're going to be staying here with? I like, think about his wife. And so they start fighting a little bit. And that's when Mark comes in. He's like, hey, man, we can't hold them. Because the coal miner guy says, like, his alibi checks out because he was locked in the cage the whole time. And so Axel's pissed. He's like, fuck. So, so go ahead. Okay, I was going to say at this point, like, I don't really like any of these people. Yeah. Like, I don't like any of the characters. Like, Axel, well, so not to spoil the ending of the movie for people, but, um, like, the, the all, all the characters just seem shitty. Like, I just don't like any of these people at all. Yeah. There's um, no, like, like, nice Tom. person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like Alex. And, and the only reason that Tom thinks that, uh, you know, that he came back to get um, his wife is because he's already cheating on his wife with Megan. Yeah. Exactly. He's pregnant. So, whatever. Right. So, I, I think the way, like like I said before, the reason they wrote these characters like this is to, like, throw us off of who the killer could be. That's the only reason. Yeah. But, 
Yeah. The problem yeah. of doing that sometimes is you make everybody like a little bit of a villain. You know what I mean? Like there's no like like I guess the only general general nice character was the Sarah girl. Okay. Right. But like what's weird about her, like she wasn't on the screen as much as you think. Cause when I was watching this movie, I felt like Tom like he was like almost like the main character throughout the whole story because he got a lot more screen t- screen time than everybody else did. And for a, for a minute, I thought he was going to be like the final guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you about that like you know, it was kind of a new concept or, or a concept where we don't, you know, especially nowadays with horror films and even back then too, we don't really see a lot of like male-driven final character. You know what I mean? Like there's always like the, the 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 female final character lead throughout like a series. You know, if we have a guy, he's usually like the killer. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah, like you like know, scream. Yeah, like scream, like stuff, like or, or like you know, like the yeah, like in yeah, exactly. Like you know, we because even in the original scream, you know, with the the Loomis character, you know, he. He was like the uh, the nice boyfriend until like the end where it was like a swerve, you know what I mean? And I felt like it was very similar with this movie too. All right. But so now uh, Tom and Ben, they are talking about like, you know, Ben's like, hey, man, you probably should get out of town. You know what I mean? Because like if this hairy guy's here, he's probably going to be looking for you. And then Tom was like, well, he's probably going to be looking for you as well too. All right. So now Tom, he decides to go visit the cold mines again, and he sees that there's a little light uh, flashing, and he actually goes up to a cabin. This is the this is the same cabin that Axel was in, fucking on that Megan girl, where he got the where he got the box of chocolates. And this is when we see the whole scene of Ben. He gets waken up by a noise, and he gets his gun, and we were just flashing around the gun in 3D, which actually looked pretty cool when it's like pointing at you. And then he eventually gets Dario Argento'd because he gets an axe to the eye. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I muted myself. <laughs> hey. Yeah, right. Man, I, was, I went on a whole big soliloquy about digital effects. I got to do that again. There you go, All man. right, hold on. Maybe. Back up. So, uh, axe to the eye. So, I thought the axe to the eye looked really good. Um, I mean, even though it, a lot of it's digital, I think the, the effects in this movie look pretty good. And I think it did use some uh, practical effects as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that uh, I liked the Argento uh, axe to the eye. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Like that's actually one of my favorite like kills in this movie was that one because mm. like he was like, going down it and he was like, oh shit, and he just splat right into the fucking eye. So now we get uh, this is when we get Sarah and Megan. They're talking and they're they're about to close up the store because Axel wants everybody to be home at a certain period of time. Yeah. And this is when we get, you know, Megan, she's fishing a little bit. She's all like, you know, how did you and Axel meet and stuff? She's like, well, you know, after uh, after Tom left, Axel was there for me because I was on that night. I was in that night um, in, in the cold mine on Valentine's Day where, where Henry Warren killed us. You know, killed the pe- kids in there. And she's like, she, you know, the big thing Sarah was like, well, she was just, you know, he was uh, just there for me the whole time. And then Megan's like, well, I don't think he's there anymore for you. Oh. Then they start hearing noises, and this is when we get more, 
more of the coal miners killer now stalking these two girls throughout the whole supermarket. Pretty cool stuff, you know, just crashing down. I do like it when um, Sarah hits the coal miner with a big piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is one thing I liked about uh, the uh, the movie also is that um, the killer was portrayed as a human being. Yeah, because he got knocked. Kind of like, like, um, uh, like yeah, Friday Jason 13 was too. at first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where he's like, he, when he gets hit by something, it, it actually start, you know, it, it actually like knocks him back or knocks him down or hurts him. He didn't really get knocked down being, that much though. He did get well, knocked no, back. but it, he gave it knocked back some, and then you could tell that it was stopping. It was, you know, impeding his progress, if you will. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he wasn't just like the superhuman killer. Like they, uh, tend to make these people. Yes. So they get locked in the office. He's like breaking down the office, like, you know, and shining, trying to get up in there. And Megan finally gets out and they get her out of the window. And Sarah's about to come out the window, but the coal miner reverses it and he's trying to break into the window now. So she finally pulls the alarm system and she gets out of there and she runs into Axel. And we had the scene of Axel taking us down the hallway all in 3D with his gun hanging out. And they go around the corner and they can see that in a span of maybe less than six minutes, maybe 10 at tops, they can see that Megan has been butchered. Her heart's been taken out and it says, be my Valentine, right in perfectly blood right on top of her in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So the killer works fast, man. He, he don't play it very, around. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, open heart surgery happening very quickly in this yes. movie. Which is interesting, too, because, like, I kind of, like, once you find out who the killer is, like, maybe maybe when he was uh, uh, supposedly in the insane asylum for 10 years, he learned how to do open heart surgery. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he was in medical school. Because, um, yeah. like, I was, because I was seeing this whole thing, like, why does an Axel think it's, like, you know, a doctor or something because of, like, how quickly he's, like, yeah. You know, dissect or Jack the Ripper or something. Yeah. On, <laughs> right. So now the 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 ambulance comes by, and this is when we find out that Sarah knows that Axel's been fucking around with that girl. All yep. right. Because because like they were wondering like why is the because Axel's like wondering like why did the killer go after Megan when we uh, during this whole time the killer's only been going after people who who were involved with the the mining accident of ninety seven. And then Sarah's like, well, maybe he's going after you. And he's like, well, why? He's like, well, I know about you and Megan. Like, I'm not blind. And I was like, that's how we're paying this off? Okay. So, <clears throat> so now um, she she's going to the hospital to get checked out. And, like, you know, Axel is is... It's kind of like doing, you know, trying to figure out where Tom is because, like, he, he wants to find Tom now because he thinks, like, you know, all this is kind of, like, coming in his head. Like, he's like, okay, you know, I don't think it's this Warren guy. We couldn't find his body. And he just, you know, just needs to find Tom and ask him some more questions. So Tom calls up Sarah. And he's like, hey, you know, I found something that I need mm -hmm. to show you. Like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And she's like, well, mm. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, I trust you. He's like, okay, well, I need I to show you something. So. <laughs> she's like, I, I guess so. And he's all like, the Axel guy, he's not what he says he is. All right? 
So then okay. she gets into the car with Tom. They're gonna go drive off, and she's and he he's explaining to her like, "Hey, did you know that Axel had property out here?" He's like, "Yeah, I knew it was his dad's property." He's like, "Okay, well, I got something to show you there." And then during this, Axel gets a phone call from Mark saying like, "Hey, we found these records of Tom. What he was doing for ten years. He was in a an insane asylum for ten mm. years." He's like, "Oh shit!" He's like, "So he goes up to the hospital. He's like, where's Sarah?" And the nurse is like, "Well." Sarah, she left with that very nice Tom guy. And he's like, oh, shit. So then he calls her up on the phone saying, like, no, like, listen, like, Tom is not who he's meant to. So, you know, Sarah's getting back and forth, you know? Like, you can't trust Axel. You can't trust Tom. It's just like, hey, you know, that guy, he was in a mental hospital for 10 years. You can't trust him. And then she hangs up the phone pretending like it was her mom. And then Tom's like, who was that? Was it Axel? Don't, Don't trust him. You know what I mean? He's not what he says he is and stuff. And then she's nervous, so she turns the car, and the car crashes. And that's when she gets out of there, and she walks into the woods, brother. So we get our 80s woods. 80s woods. In here. And uh, and um, so one thing about this, too, is like, so Tom, I mean, I know all of this is written for the audience. I got it. I get that. But, like, um, I, 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 some things about this movie I didn't like, which I'll bring up when we get to the end of it. But one thing I did like is like every the way the ending of the movie is written, everyone has has a deniability over who the killer is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like everybody who's investigating the killer could also be the killer. Yes, and not be faking. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, because you know Axel did bring up. He's all like his his major suspects were the uh, the people who were around the graveyard site because you know that's they're the only people that knew you know about the Warren body being missing and stuff so they kind of like already said it wasn't Warren at all all right they kind of like uh, took out that fact and he thinks it was somebody within that little inner circle and of course he was like I can't be mean- my wife. You mean the only person who knew where the bo- that the body was buried there? They yeah. didn't know the body was missing until they went to look for it, right? Yeah. So, but I think okay. they they came up to the 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 conclusion like the the two guys like Burke and 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 Tom Ankins, you know they they came up to the big conclusion, you know what I mean that the um uh they killed the killer for sure, all right, so. During this too, we have that the uh, I, sorry I skipped this one part. No, semi oh, yeah. semi important. So before Tom picks up Sarah, uh, we do have a scene of the killer, the coal mine killer, trying to kidnap Sarah and Axel's son. Okay, and this is when we get them and the uh, the Axel uh, the, the the coal miner killer killed the maid and put her in the dryer, kind of like Halloween Six. All right, mm-hmm. and I didn't like that. I thought that was dumb. Oh yeah, they would pop it out. Yeah, no, I didn't like that. You're not, you're not a fan of dryer kills. Come on, brother. No, I hate dryer kills, and I especially hated this one. And then we got the uh, this is when Tom Ankins pretty much meets his demise, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. Like he he hears a noise in the back, and you know for a minute too, you also thought maybe maybe uh, maybe Jim, you know Tom Ankins is the killer. You know what I mean? They kept it wide open for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then he gets tricked by the coal miner, and he gets axed in the in the by the basically by the the bottom of his uh, uh, jaw, 
and it gets ripped out. I thought that scene was pretty intense. That looked great. Yeah. And that's what Axel was saying on the phone. It's like, hey, you know, this fucking Tom guy, he's blaming Tom. Like, he actually tried to go in there and kidnap our, our son, and he killed uh, Jim and everybody. And that's what kind of, like, freaks out uh, Sarah, and that's why she turned and, 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 and the, the car crashed. So she calls up Axel. Apparently, she gets good cell phone reception in the woods, unlike most of us. Yes. You know, the 2009 cell phone reception was a little better. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. Back then, they yeah. had the best cell phone yeah. reception around the coal mines. So she, she, Axel tells her to go to my cabin. All right. So she goes in the cabin. She sees the love chocolate box from from uh, from Megan, and then she opens mm. up this other cabinet, and there was a shit ton of other chocolate boxes in there. So now Sarah thinks like, oh shit! Now Axel is the killer, and of course we have the coal miner killer show up to the Axel's hidden, uh, uh hidden sex house all right and the the coal miner chases her out of the house and she goes all the way to the coal mine itself sarah does so she goes in there after being chased for a long periods of time okay and then she she basically gets uh confronted by the uh well she she's about to get attacked by the axe guy all right but uh, I think she's like fights him off and shoots him a little bit, and then she's running, and then this is when we see Axel show up, okay, and she points the yeah. gun on him. Then we see Tom shows up and she points the gun on him. So they're talking about like he did it. Now he did it. He did it all. The time. I like before before you go further. I like how you describe it as she shoots him a little bit. Yes. Like it's like how can you be a little bit shot? Well, you but, know yeah, she missed. Okay. She's not an expert shooter. <laughs> At this particular time, you know right, what I mean. Okay. So, it did like yeah, a little. So he, it did a little so damage. Shot a little bit. It did a little damage, so we could set up at this particular moment. Right. Okay. That's what. That's what all it right. did. But yeah. So now we're uh, now we're now we have a standoff, right? So we're all so we're all pointing at uh, the other yeah. person. So Axel basically is like, listen, you got to shoot us both, mm-hmm. all right? Because if you shoot me, he's going to be the killer, and I already know he's the killer. So you got to shoot both of us. Tom's like, what? Mm. Wait a minute. <laughs> this <laughs> this guy's obviously the killer, yeah. so you have to shoot him. So she's super confused, and then Tom starts seeing shit. He's like, no, look, Harry Warren's right behind you. He's right behind you. Look, and like nobody can see him except for him. Look, I mean, he's there. He's there. You know what I mean? And like you know, like uh, Axel's already told Sarah that he was in the mental hospital for like ten years, and mm. then then the uh, then the the Harry ghost vanishes then tom now starts to have flashbacks of him actually being the killer mm-hmm. now i was semi-confused where did he don't know say. he was the killer during this whole time no. or was just the bipolar shit going on it's like <clears throat> no i don't think he knew um that he was the killer okay well because he because so he's like so his other like uh, personality is Harry. Yes, I guess. So no, I don't think he knew that he was the killer. Which is what I was saying earlier is that that was kind of cool how they did that because when he when Tom is trying to investigate who the killer is and he thinks it's um, Axel, that's legitimate. Like he's not really like he's not like taking her somewhere to kill her. Like he really thinks Axel's the killer. Yeah, which is kind of cool, and he doesn't know it's him. Um, 
I didn't think Axel was a killer from the beginning because he just didn't act. He just didn't seem like it. Uh, he just it wouldn't make. I, I mean, like I, it just. I don't know why. I just feel like he just didn't seem like he was the killer. Um, which when we got to the end, I thought, okay, Tom has to be the killer. However, one thing I hated about it was they they pulled a Friday the Thirteenth in it. They they gave they. So I feel like anytime you watch one of these movies, finding out who the killer is you should be able to do it by watching the movie. And they gave you that scene where the killer looks at Tom when he's locked in the cage. And they did that so you wouldn't think Tom was the killer. Yeah. So they gave, they gave you false information, and I hated that. Yeah, I get Because you. they made the audience think that the killer was somebody else. Because you're thinking, well, it couldn't be Tom because we saw the killer and Tom in the same, in the same frame. Yes. Um, so like that, I hate that. Like, cause they gave you, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. There's a term for it, but like, I hate that they, they created this false thing that didn't really happen to make you not think that Tom was the killer. And that's the only thing about the movie. I really, really just, yeah, because like the thing, I think the, the argument to that could be like, well, you're seeing it through Tom's eyes. But like, but you're not. You're but you're, but you're not because, like you're saying, like we're, we, the movie is not, yeah. you know, Tom telling us the story. You know what I mean? So right. I get, I get what you mean. But that, that probably would be the argument for that scene. It's like, oh, well, we're just seeing it yeah. through his eyes. But it's like, well, you know, he was on the screen a lot, but it's not like he was like the narrator. You know what I mean? Of True. like the fucking right. story. So I, 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 I get both arguments, but I, I kind of lean towards yours too. Like, I didn't like that, like, piece. Because you see in the flashback that he's, like, locks himself in there with the coal miner suit on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you can see him through mm-hmm. all the scenes, like, taking off the mask and everything. So, you know, we're showing that because of all the trauma that he had with Harry, you know, staring him down, almost killing. You know what I mean? The town blaming him, everything, on all these murders that he actually... He, he kind of did a, 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 a Jamie Lloyd. He, he, he in, inherited the spirit of doom that Harry Warner was doing on him. You know what I mean? They had right. like this connection. So basically, you know, he turned bipolar and he was the, not only was he regular Tom doing his thing, but he was also the killer Tom at the same time. Exactly. And so now he realizes all that. And then now Axel and him start fighting a little bit. Uh, Sarah can't pull the trigger. He, Axel, I mean, Tom stabs Axel in the stomach, all right, and you know they he Tom tries to go after her a little bit, but she breaks away, and she runs away with Axel. And this is when we see um, uh, Tom has turned full killer Tom mode. He's breaking all the lights with the axes now, and Axel is saying like, "Hey, you only got one bullet left. You got to make this shit count." All right, so she goes up to him and she tries to reason with him for like a second. But she could see that he's turned truly evil now. Mm-hmm. So she shoots his side and she shoots the... Um, we, we see the Matrix bullet. All right? Um, shoot him in the side and then shoots the, uh, the the gas container. And then we and then he blows up. But just like in Halloween, it does no effect because he's okay at the end. He just had some scratches on him like Loomis did. Yep. Yep. Well... Loomis had had a little more. He had some burns too, but yeah, yeah, he he was blown up, but he had, but there was no fire. He did not get burned. Yeah, in any conceivable way. 
so, and then he was able to escape for yeah. the sequel. I, I, I like the yeah, the, yeah, the sequel that we're not getting it. <laughs> so I did like the part where like the coal miner comes down there and he sees him. You know, we can see Tom is still alive and stuff, and then Tom still has the strength to kill the coal miner through the goggles, all in 3D. Mm-hmm. Then we come outside. We see Sarah. She's still alive. We see the the sheriff getting wheeled off. They both said he loved each. They both said you know I love you to each other. And they ask about Tom. He's like Tom's dead. Then of course at the end of the movie we see Tom. He escaped with hiding himself as a cold miner. And then we're gonna get this sequel that we never got. Yep. And that is my bloody Valentine, there, brother, from the lights out, giving you all the heart shaped candy that you can always talk about so you know this it's it's a pretty interesting movie it's like we're having like what do you what do you feel about this like like it's called my bloody valentine but the only valentine shit we had was like a lover's quarrel and we had the killer killing these people and giving their hearts in a chocolate box yeah i mean it kind of like well the whole the only reason that the original movie was called my bloody Valentine was because the Valentine's day dance. Exactly. Yes. And they took that out of this movie, but I don't, they say at the beginning of the movie that Tom caused all those people to get killed, um, on Valentine's day yes. or, or was it? Yeah. So that's why, but I mean, it, it, it kind of, it was kind of a stretch to get yeah. this one to work. Cause like the original movie. So some of the differences is obviously the, they, they had a lot of the same characters. Like Sarah's in there, Axel's in there, mm-hmm. um, but the big thing about the uh, the original movie was the uh, the Axel guy from the original movie was like the playing the role of Tom basically, and 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 in that film, so it's a little different. Um, yeah, and but like I said, the 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 original movie mainly took place because of the whole you know Valentine's Day you know party where they couldn't do the party because all these murders are happening, but then all the kids want to have the party anyway. And that's when we see that the the character Axel, he was, you know, we were supposed to make sure, you know, it's kind of like this, we were supposed to make like Thomas like the good guy, but he ended up turning like more bipolar. And that's kind of like what they did right. towards the end of the uh, the original movie too as well too. But, you know, for, for a remake, I thought it was pretty fun. Like I liked the kills in it. Um, I like seeing Tom Ankins in there. Um, I thought the swerve was pretty well done. Um, you know, like I said, besides that one part, like they were saying when he locks himself in the cage, you know, I didn't really like that part either when it comes to part of the story, because if you're going to have like, you know, a bipolar figure, you know, you want to leave a little bit more clues, you know, than you did. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like I thought, and it's really interesting too, because, you know, Saul was really good about that, about leaving clues throughout the movie where when you find out who the the killer was or how they did it, it all kind of like made sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's really hard to do. Yeah, it can be hard. To I do. think it's really hard to write a story where you have all these clues, where you can, where you know you have a clue so that the audience could figure it out, but it's not obvious. And I think that that's why it's an making a movie like this is an art form. And it only some people can do it. And I think that this failed in that aspect, but it was a pretty good movie though. Yeah. I'd say it was pretty fun. Definitely. I, I mean, I don't know. Being on rotation for Valentine's day. I can see a little bit. So. And the reason I compare that to Friday the 13th is because the first Friday the 13th does that too. Because so in Friday the 13th, 
um, when the killer turns out to be Jason's mom, she's not even introduced into the movie until the very end. Yeah. So they, so, so you can't figure out who the killer is because that, the character doesn't exist until the last like 10 minutes of the movie or whatever. Um, so which is, you know, I mean, that movie is still a masterpiece, but that that's the one complaint I have about it is like, there's no way you could find out who the killer, figure out who the killer was because you don't even, they don't even introduce you to the character. Exactly. So, but everybody, that's been our special lights out, very Valentine's day lights out edition. I'm not sure if we'll do one of these again, because you know, the only Valentine's day horror movies I could think about was these two. My bloody Valentine. Yeah. But, you know, we always, I think we, we did that one year where we did the uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That was fun. But, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe we we'll that. find some, we'll f- yeah, we'll find some stuff here in the uh, the distant future. So, but everybody, come join us here on Sunday where the Retro Bled is back. And we're back talking more vampires because we're going to be talking all about Danced of the Damned. Mm, yeah, it's going to be great. We all like mullets. If y'all like strippers at very bad strip clubs, if y'all like a vampire trying to take a tan on a beach at night, boy, this is a film for you, brother, because it's uh, it's something that's for sure. Yeah, gonna, you're gonna love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some wild shit there, brother. All right, and then of course we're gonna round out this whole month with a fright night, which should be pretty fun. And then of course Classic. we'll be back in March. And we'll give you the whole schedule for March. But the lights out, you know, we just appear here and there. So we'll see. You know, we'll see what's happening. But everybody, Jay Allison, James Klein, we'll see you here next time. See you guys.